Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's a new week, and can you believe it? It's almost the end of this month, and it's May. This year is speedily moving fast. But thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushata. I'm right here on uh, African Dialogue, and uh, we're back in our Joburg studios as we were broadcasting in Santon in the last few days last week. So thank you for joining us today, and uh, thank you for joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. DSTV, we on channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Well, as South Africa reflects on the 100 days of President Cyril Ramaphosa, it can be argued that a lot has been achieved while much more still needs to be done. When Ramaphosa came to office, he made it clear that kid gloves will no longer be used to address issues such as corruption. With this sentiment, we saw a major shakeup to his cabinet with the removal of some ministers who have been implicated in the state capture report by former public protector Tulima Donsela. Ramaphosa also emphasized that rebuilding the economy was not negotiable. He has since set up a special envoy on investment team which would be tasked with raising about 1 trillion rands of investment for the country over the next five years. Well, let's listen to this man as he had an exclusive conversation last night with SABC. This is Cyril Ramaphosa stating that although the country faces many challenges, there's still many positives. The level of confidence amongst our people has gone up. Uh, they are positive about the way the country uh, is being led in terms of going forward. And they're also positive about us ch- uh, dealing with the problems that we have had in the past. Problems such as uh, corruption, and problems such as uh, bad governance. What we've been involved in in the past, if you like, say 100 days, is actually to put the pillars, the building stones, to enable us to do even better. Unemployment is still a major challenge in our country. Inequality and poverty is still reigning supreme amongst our people. So those are the three challenges that we've got to address. Uh, And even those who are in the country to unlock their, their, their bank vaults and release the money so that we can build factories, we can invest in productive capacity and employ more and more of our people, particularly young people. Many young people are unemployed right now. That is what keeps me awake at night. I worry. He faces fierce criticism from the opposition for what some call handling his comrades with kid loves, beginning with the exit of former President Jacob Zuma, his cabinet reshuffle that kept ministers implicated in state capture, and the protracted exit of Northwest Premier Supramahuma Pelo. But he remains optimistic. The political noise, political noise is, is something else. I mean, they know wherever they invest that. There will always be political noise and political competition. It is the policy certainty and the political stability that matters to investors. Uh, There's an international bank that uh, released a report recently that said South Africa in 2018 is going to be one of the hottest stocks, hottest investment destinations. And they say that based on what they can see unfolding in our country.
Well, that's the voice there of South African President Cyril Ramaphosa speaking to Takwane Ngatane there in an exclusive conversation this past uh, uh, weekend on the 100 days of uh, his uh, presidency in office. Now, let us know what you think on our social media at Channel Africa One or at uh, African Dialogue, or you can go to our Facebook page. We want you to interact with us. We're asking this question, how do you think President Cyril Ramaphosa is different from his predecessors. Does anything stand out for you in the first hundred days where we saw uh, this man in uh, in his uh, presidential hat? Well, joining us uh, on the line, we've got Professor Richard Kaland, who is an associate professor in public law at the University of Cape Town. We also have Dr. Ngondom Chali, who's a senior lecturer in uh, uh, political sciences at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Also, Gabriela McKay joins us back here on Channel Africa. Uh, Gabriela is an analyst focusing on politics and governance at the South African Institute of Race Relations. Now, let me start with you, Professor Kayland, in terms of uh, the public impression uh, that we've seen of uh, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa in the first hundred days in office. It hasn't been an easy transition, especially the fact that his predecessor, uh, Jacob Zuma, had been muddled in issues of corruption, mismanagement in, in governance, and also the fact that even after uh, he was removed from office, it seemed like there was a lot of his issues that were actually on the shoulders of uh, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa. Yes, you're right. It it wasn't an easy political transition for lots of reasons. And uh, one of the most important things that Ramaphosa has had to contend with is the fact that he was implicated in the previous uh, regime. Mm. Whilst many people uh, assumed that he was on the inside trying to do his best to stop the rot, he was nonetheless the deputy president and he chose not to resign during that period of time. Mm. So one of the things he had to accomplish during this first 100 days was somehow to put clear blue water between himself and the Zuma administration that preceded him. And he's managed to do that almost miraculously. I think most people now have given him a fresh start, given him a clean slate, and allowed him to to build his own brand and build his own vision for the future. So that's a remarkable political achievement. Uh, And one of the things that we sought to do as as an an analyst group, uh, the Paternoster group, is to devise a series of indicators to measure his performance. And and the first set of indicators relate to political leadership. And on that, I think, is where he scored the highest marks because he's really stamped his authority on the government and to a large extent on the ANC as well. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, what were the key issues that he dealt with that did actually mark him as someone who's able to start afresh, Professor Kayland. Is it because of that first move that he made of actually uh, the reshuffle that he started with? Well, I think beyond that, it was about removing Zuma, of course. Sure. And given that he inherited a somewhat poison chalice in terms of his electoral victory back in December, when he uh, succeeded uh, Zuma as president of the ANC. You remember the ANC was very divided. His victory was a very slender one, just 52% of the vote. So he has to um, drive forwards, but looking, as I put it, in the rearview mirror. He has to keep an eye on his own political party, the ANC, in order to Mm. make sure that they're still with him. Now, to, in those circumstances, persuade uh, his party that Zuma should go and to remove Zuma against Zuma's strong wishes back in February, was was an an extraordinarily important accomplishment. 
That was number one. Then, of course, he, he reshuffled the cabinet. 22 of the 37 positions in cabinet changed uh, hands. There were a lot of people remained in the cabinet, were, but were reshuffled. And then important people like Praveen Gordon and Clancy mm. Nene were brought back into government, people who are trusted, people who have integrity, people who we know will do the clean-up job that is necessary if this government is to arrest state capture and start to deliver to the people. Mm. Let me move to our other guest, Dr. Ngondlom Jali, uh, joining us uh, from the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, Dr. Mjali, it's very interesting what we're hearing from Professor Kalin. Do you think it's such a clean sweep uh, for Cyril Ramaphosa? Uh, just uh, looking at this past weekend where we saw more KwaZulu-Natal political killings taking place in that province and uh, that is unfortunate because we thought the last visit when uh, uh, the previous uh, uh, onslaught took place in the province. We saw Cyril Ramaphosa going to the province trying to settle things down. Seems like that's another battle, another battle that we've seen, which is could be seen as a victory as the Northwest governance issue where we saw uh, the resigning of Ace Mahashula in the past few days. So it seems like a lot is still um, miring the ANC's reputation and it seems like Cyril Ramaphosa has to clean things up over and over again in that regard. Thank you very much and greeting to you and to the uh, other panelists and the, and the listeners. Yes, uh, when Cyril uh, uh, Ramaphosa uh, got into the presidency, he was faced uh, with this challenge that one of the internal divisions within the ANC, so he has to play that balancing act of mm. trying to uh, basically have a new vision, but also deals with the internal division that he, in, he inherited. Mm-hmm. As uh, you just mentioned, uh, there is uh, still uh, deep sectionalism in KZN, and that is going to be one of his challenges because uh, there, are, there is uh, there is still a lot of people who are supporting uh, Zuma within the uh, KZN ANC, and I think uh, that also applies to other provinces, as we saw in uh, in Frisbee when they were having their conference there. That uh, you know, uh, delegates were singing praises of of Zuma instead of the new leadership. Mm-hmm. So it is uh, one of the challenges that he's dealing with. But I think that you know, under the circumstances, he has done a a, a good job, given that you know he he inherited this basically uh, divided uh, uh, party. Mm. Coming to you, Gabriella, very interesting insights coming from both uh, uh, Professor Kayland and Dr. Mchali, almost contrasting each other, where uh, Professor Kayland is highlighting the very strong point that we've seen some progress. We see the firing of 10 ministers, uh, um, which is a departure away from uh, the issue of the state capture issue. I think uh, Sir Ramaphosa was trying to remove himself from that particular reputation. And uh, Dr. Mchali highlighting that he's still has that challenge of uh, factionalism within the ANC to deal with. We know, as I cited, uh, questioning Dr. Mjali, saying that the KZN um, uh, political killings still seem to be something that is uh, revealing the depth of the factionalism within the ANC. So it is a balancing act, and it's a tough one in the first 100 days, Gabriela. Yeah, absolutely. I think what we've really seen from the first 100 days is that it's been a very mixed bag. So there have been quite a few good things that have come out of these. 
so diplomacy has been looking up, there's been movement on dealing with corruption, the implementation of new ministers, um, you know, the economy looking slightly better, but then with all those things at the same time, you can almost, on the other side of the scale, um, you know, there's still some ministers who were affiliated with the Guptas and state capture still in cabinet. Cabinet is still, um, South Africa's cabinet is still bloated with 35 ministers. Um, you know, the sort of economy hasn't, the uplook for the economy hasn't been, I think, is, you know, why as high as people have expected. So South Africa had negative growth in the first quarter. Um, not negative growth. Uh, we sort of haven't, yeah, the economy hasn't grown in the first quarter. And I think it's it's a very difficult balancing act that the president has had to deal with. And given South Africa's problems and the complexity of them, it was always going to be tough to, you know, get to get a sort of, you know, glowing report going because there was a multitude of problems to deal with. So I think what we've really seen is we've seen a lot of steps in the right direction being taken, but unfortunately there are still a lot of issues that are holding the president and the administration back, and he's got a lot to deal with, and I think the approach he is taking is one that is sort of quite, um, you know, sort of quite studied in that he's going to try and deal with you know, focus on the things he knows he can deal with, where he can make an impact, and then steadily move on to everything. But I think, as a whole, for what people want, unfortunately, we oftentimes we do want to see things quite instantly. And so some people, yes, it's good that this has happened, so all the good that he's done, but we can always still complain about things. So hmm. I think it's been, you know, it's been, in, it's been an interesting one. It's been a mixed bag of things that we've hmm. had good, and I think, I think a lot of us still feel that more can be done. Well, more can be done. We'll also unpack that when we come back after our break. But uh, also, just before we look at that topic, we'll look at uh, the state-owned enterprises. A lot of shake-up has been made there in the boards of major state-owned entities such as ESCOM and Transnet. We know also just this past weekend we've seen some changes being made when it comes to South African airways with uh, uh, Pravin Gordon actually making some changes with the South Africa Express being halted in its operation. So we'll come back in terms of the approach of the standout entities and the question that Gabriella McKay uh, putting forward that a lot still needs to be done. We'll explore those after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is Africa Midday. Uh, we come to you every Monday to Thursday, 1100 hours of Central African time. Today, we're asking the question, uh, what are your thoughts around Sir Ramaphosa's 100 days of being president of South Africa? Give us your thoughts at Channel Africa. One is the numeric one or at African Dialogue. We want to hear your views. Joining us on our program today, we've got Professor Richard Kaland, who is the Associate Professor at 
in public law at the University of Cape Town. Also on the line is Gabriella McKay, joining us from the South African Institute for Race Relations. She's an analyst focusing on politics and governance. And Dr. Kondlom Chal is joining us. He's the senior lecturer in political sciences at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Dr. Kondlom, let me start this part of the conversation with you. Just uh, going back to what Gabriella had to say, as much as we've seen some shifts in terms of uh, governance positions, it seems like where we are struggling in our country is stimulating our economy. And uh, we saw um, Cyril Ramaphosa at the beginning of the year. And even until now, he's been having bilateral bilateral uh, conversations at the G20. And also we've seen him uh, uh, recently uh, having conversations with countries such as India, trying to also reassess his position with the recent visitor of one of uh, the um, representatives of South Africa in Russia, especially when it comes to that nuclear deal. So when it comes to the more economic perspective, he's been trying to make moves, but it seems to be very, very rigid in terms of how um, uh, uh, the economy and how business is responding to these moves. Dr. Mjali, your thoughts? Yes, I, I think that there we have to be uh, realistic that it's not going to be something that is going to happen quite immediately. You know, the kind of investment that is trying to attract is going to uh, take time for people to come and invest and for that to have uh, fruits within uh, the country. So we have to uh, take those things into consideration and also take into account, you know, that in uh, uh, South Africa is uh, an economy that is basically connected to the international economy. Sure. So we are going to be affected by that. So although, uh, I mean, the steps, the, the agenda that he has set himself and the steps that he is taking are in the right direction in terms of economic growth, we should, we should also realize that it's going to uh, take time for these things that to basically... Uh, bear fruit for ordinary people in terms of, uh, you know, uh, new jobs being uh, created and people actually being uh, employed. Professor Kayland, your thoughts on that, especially the fact that it seems uh, the economy is very much a big um, thing on uh, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa's mind because of uh, the signs of even um, appointing that special envoy um, uh, to attract investors. His target is around $100 billion, and it seems like uh, that is still a big project for him. It's absolutely central to his uh, strategy. He knows that unless he can get this economy moving and growing, and unless he can show ordinary working class people in South Africa that he's serious about uh, uh, doing everything he can uh, to ensure that uh, new jobs are created, sustainable jobs are created, then he knows that not only he but his party's future will not be a bright one. So it's absolutely central. But I think in assessing how he's doing on that, we do, as Dr. Mshala says, have to be realistic. We have to recognize that 100 days is is nothing in terms of time. All we can realistically uh, expect from him during this period would be to have set in motion two things. Firstly, clean up government so that government is a trusted, credible partner to any uh, growth strategy that is uh, formulated in partnership with other stakeholders, such as business, obviously, or or labor. Uh, And secondly, the the processes that he announced in the State of the Nation address on the 16th of February, namely a job summit and an investment summit, 
that those processes have at least started. And indeed, they have started, but they're moving slowly. And I think the next 100 days are going to be even more important than the first 100 days because people are going to want to see solid, tangible, measurable progress in establishing processes that will uh, identify the trade-offs that different actors in the economy have to make in order to, to get things moving. And that's, that's the real nub of this. Mm. And his ability as a convener, as a negotiator, and as a facilitator is what's going to be tested during the next 100 days. Well, uh, Gabriella, your thoughts on that particular shake-up of, of, of the economy uh, as highlighted by both of our guests, that it's not just an easy 100 days process of uh, trying to change uh, the minds of investors, that it's actually a long-term uh, a process and we have to see more of uh, uh, things being done to actually create that vibrancy in the economy. Uh, we, we know that central to this is the conversation of uh, how our uh, major state-owned entities uh, are working. And we know that uh, there is a process of trying to really deal with the, the problems within ESCOM and, and Transnet. Also, we saw that state institutions such as SARS were actually looked into. We saw the suspension of Commissioner Tom Moyane. We saw DG of uh, the State Security Department being removed, Arthur Fraser. And we know there's still that question around uh, the NPA in itself, Sean Abraham. So a lot of things need to be done in this part of uh, the of the uh, of public governance and uh, a business that need to be reshuffled. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I totally agree with the other guests on that. It's not a, there's not a quick fix to this. But in addition to the dealing with corruption, the president unfortunately has the problem of there still seems to be policy uncertainty. So he's been doing a good job instead of clearing up South Africa and you know, ensuring investors that things are moving forward in terms of corruption. However, certain elements of policy are still going to make people hold back a little bit probably. I think the how land expropriation without compensation intends to move forward, that's a bit of a worry because I think investors wouldn't necessarily want to invest if they have the fear that you know, assets could be taken away. Uh, so they need assurances on that. And mm. then there are going to be other assurances that need to come in. So like you said, the running of state-owned enterprises. Is the infrastructure there if you're going to have a business in this country? Are you going to have the air links, the rail links, the electricity supply to conduct business? And then, of course, something that we haven't mentioned yet is South Africa's education. And a lot of what we see with the problem of, so it's not just the growth in the economy that's hindering South Africans' ability to get jobs, I think a lot of times the skill level is not where it should be. So a lot of South Africans are unable to take up some of the available jobs that are in the market. And there's a mismatch between education level, skill levels, and the jobs that are available. So I think with the job summit that the president is conducting, it needs to take into account not just that we have an unemployment problem and that we need to get investment into start creating jobs. It needs to look at very specifically and in depth that if we're going to use tourism and investment to create these jobs, then we need to have a population that is skilled in those sectors to take up those jobs. We also need to then consider how we can gear either so both education, university education, and then also apprenticeships and technical training you know, to what the jobs in the economy are going to look like. And I think that is going to need a very you know, long sit-down and in-depth thought with business and industry in this country as well as government so that they actually have a good idea of what they're aiming to have South Africa's um, economy and employment market look like in the future. So absolutely not an easy fix. 
I think the president is unfortunately being a little bit hamstrung by the fact that he has come in um, before an election, so he hasn't got a clear popular mandate, sure, and sure. he's had to be quite careful with what with his policies going forward, which are then sort of hindering him when it comes to assuring investors of certain things, because there is unfortunately that still that little bit of instability surrounding you know what exactly is happening mm-hmm. before an election. Very much of a good point that you're making there, and it's actually that phrase that you just highlighted, uh, Gabriella, is actually taking me back to my next uh, question. Uh, let me bring it to Dr. Mjali. Gabriella McKay uh, highlighting really the issue of electioneering coming back, coming next year. It's uh, election year, uh, Dr. Mjali, and uh, that's also kind of uh, should be a balancing act for the president himself as well, because a lot of historical questions around issues of corruption, issues around factionalism in the ANC are standing out, and also issues of the land issue have been brought forward, and it seems like the ANC is trying to speed up that process, and since they just had a land summit trying to clarify their own policy on that, uh, we know that that is both by the pressure from opposition parties such as the uh, EFF. So that's also another thing on his shoulders, and maybe that's taking us to what we can expect coming up, Dr. Mjali, in terms of um, you know the challenges that uh, uh, Ramaphosa will have moving forward into that election phase. Thank you very much. Uh, if I can just go back into uh, sure. the point that Gabriela raised, about sure. the importance of education, that... Mm. And dealing with education will also address all the issues that the president is talking about, including the issues of uh, inequalities. So it's, it's an important thing, but it's also a very long-term one because it involves, uh, you know, uh, changing both uh, all levels of education, that is basic education to higher education. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the agenda for the uh, president for the next uh, 100 days, Yes, uh, we are probably going to see the government coming up with, you know, uh, new projects that are going to basically be geared towards, uh, you know, uh, the election campaign. And it's probably one, it's something that is probably going to sidetrack, uh, sidetrack him from the long-term vision, because sometimes the government before elections just embark on the project in order to, basically get uh, popularity. And with the, the, uh, they also have to deal with the question that is on the table now, the question of the land issue. And it's a difficult one for, uh, for the country as a whole and for the, uh, for the president because, mm. um, it's, you know, uh, there are so many dimensions of that. You know, it's just not the constitution that uh, is important, but it's it's uh, a lot of other players, you know. Um, even if you take uh, the case where, you know, for those who argue for, you know, that the government should play an important role, you know, uh, in countries where the government play an important role in the land, you know, uh, what is required is also uh, the role of uh, non-governmental organizations basically to effect the laws that are there in place. Mm. So, uh it's, it's a big agenda that, uh, you know, uh, South Africa has set itself, and we, we are going to see, uh, I think we have already seen uh, the ANC, what the path the ANC is going to take mm-hmm. in terms of the people that 
the uh, the president has tasked to uh, basically mm. uh, take the forefront of the of of the land uh, question. Professor Kaelin, your thoughts? Yeah, look, we uh, I, I mentioned at the outset in my first answer that we, as the Paternoster Group, had uh, developed 15, 15 indicators under five main headings to measure uh, Ramaphosa's performance, what we're calling the Cyril Watch dashboard. Um, and um, on one of the, the main clusters is what we call uh, policy lightning rods. So clearly the land issue and probably the mining issue, and I would add fiscal stability are kind of the three burning issues at the heart of the kind of policy arena at the moment. He spent a lot of time uncapturing the state in terms of Pravin Gordon fixing boards, the state-owned enterprises, and all of that. But in terms of uh, uh, moving forward, he's also got to tackle these these uh, tricky uh, policy issues. And I think the land one, as, as raised, is, is an important one. It has the potential to be a make-or-break issue for him and his government. Get it right, you can create a, a real driver for socioeconomic change, stability, and growth, particularly in the agricultural sector. Get it wrong, and you create uh, disunity, you undermine investor confidence, you get people fretting about things that will get in the way of, of advancing inclusive economic growth. Mm. And in, in terms of also the fact that we still have uh, some bad, uh, uh, you know, fruits within this uh, mixed uh, bag in, in, in here, I mean, when we think of the likes of uh, Batabile Lamini, um, who still got questions around uh, the Sasa issue, um, we know Melusuki Gaba also, uh, in, he's now the minister in, uh, uh, in, in, in the Ministry of Home Affairs, Nomvulo Mokonya now minister in communications, those have been questioned around issues of uh, uh, mismanagement uh, in their previous departments, uh, Professor Kayland. So that's another issue that uh, it still has to uh, is still attaching um, Cyril Ramaphosa to some of the, the those people that have been very much linked to the to the Zuma team. Yes, it's a tricky one. You know, uh, he's been criticised for not getting rid of some of those people, such as the the people you you refer to. But on the other hand, as I also said in my earlier remarks, he's had to drive forwards with his uh, sights on the rearview mirror. He has to keep his party with him. And mm. until he gets um, a fresh mandate, until he gets a fresh mandate from the electorate, mm. he's having to deal, in a sense, with an inherited ANC. And he's having to deal with the baggage of that ANC. So let's take Batabile Glamini, a very controversial figure, a figure who is a disastrous minister of Social Security, evidence of, uh, emerging every week of, of absolutely appalling overexpenditure and abuse of resources uh, under her leadership of that ministry. Why is she still in the cabinet, one may ask? Well, she's in the cabinet because she remains the president of the ANC's Women's League, yeah. and that's an important stakeholder actor within the ANC. And until he cleans up the ANC, uh, having strengthened his position, having won an election, um, he can't really uh, move her out of cabinet. He needs to keep her sufficiently on side because she can cause a lot of trouble within the ranks of the ANC, given the balance of power there. Uh, Gabriella, your thoughts on that, what uh, Professor Kayland is highlighting as we are about to wrap it up? Yeah, um, I agree with that. So like I sort of said in my opening statement that I think the president has taken a methodical approach into so. the problems he can deal with now 
So he, you know, sort of is dealing with the corruption, dealing with things that nobody can actually have a fight about, nobody can complain about, that SAEs need to be cleaned up, that we need to have inquiries into state capture, all of those things. Those are not contentious issues, they're the issues we will agree on. And then the other things that are a little bit more contentious to the ANC and keeping unity within the party are the things he's probably going to look at dealing with later, the things that he's going to take a more steady approach to so that you don't end up with problems down the line. So being very cautious on that, being very cautious about what you do with the cabinet and about various other policies, I think, is the approach being taken until after the election when he knows he has the mandate for the next four years and then can clear up like he wants to do as he sees fit without worrying about, you know, potential consequences from the rest of the party. Mm, and let me wrap it up with you, Dr. Mchali. Uh, we know that... Uh, even from the beginning, when he was actually taking over Sir Ramaphosa, he styled himself as this kind of people-centric guy taking walks in the beaches and uh, this new dawn of walking with uh, the white citizens of Cape Town. And also we just saw him a few weeks back uh, in Tembisa with the Tumamina campaign where he was accelerating this new vision that he has of uh, uh, people-centric politics and service types of politics. Uh, do you think that uh, image that he's trying to create of a new dawn and this uh, uh, civil servant image is one that that uh, he can uh, keep going until uh, those elections that we're expecting next year in South Africa? Well, I, I think the, uh, some of the things that he has done, the little things that he has done, for example, around corruption, they do attract a lot of media. So they do basically uh, uh, paint his picture as somebody right. who is trying to establish a clean government. And some of the initiatives uh, that he has done on the economy and the youth unemployment, although they haven't uh, really uh, bared the fruits, but they do uh, basically create a picture of somebody who is uh, trying to at least uh, fix uh, the economy. So uh, we will see with, uh, you know, uh, with, towards the end of the year whether he's able to uh, maintain that. Some of the things that, that uh, you know, for example, that Gordon is uh, doing are also going to have controversial results. For example, the merging of the airlines, because that's going to come up with the loss of jobs. So, you know, mm-hmm. we are going to see that contradiction in terms of uh, what, you know, he wants to do. He wants to build up the state-owned enterprises, but that may have some cost mm-hmm. and, you know, some negative uh, uh, vibes in the public. Well, let's leave it there. I'm sure we've touched on so many areas, so we really appreciate your views and your participation on this panel discussion. Thank you to Dr. Ngondlam Chali there, who was our final speaker. He's the Senior Lecturer in Political Sciences at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Thank you as well to Professor Richard Kayland, the Associate Professor in Public Law at the University of Cape Town. Last but not least, thank you to Gabriella McKay, an analyst uh, focusing on politics and governance at the South African Institute for Race Relations. Thank you all for participating and giving us your time on African Dialogue.